I'm Frank Newkirk, FNN Ranch in Lexington, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas, agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. It is great to be back in the saddle once again. I spent last week riding all over this great state of ours. I traveled from the North Panhandle all the way down to Corpus Christi. And boy, what a beautiful state this is that we live in. So jump on in with me. Let's take another ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, we see input costs continue to increase while supplies of those inputs are shrinking. We'll have that story to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the Piney Woods of East Texas to the Rocky Ranges of the Trans-Pecos and from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. Looking at the landscape today, there doesn't appear to be a market motivation for any major acreage shifting next year in the Texas High Plains, but if our prolonged dry spell continues, that could affect farmers' strategies. I'm James Hunt, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. The state's largest farm and ranch organization recognizes its outstanding teacher of the year. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. This is James Duncan in Marshall. Deer season has been excellent, especially for the young hunters. Winter pastures are up and growing. It is time to get your brand re-registered. That's what's going on here in East Texas. We'll have those stories plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. Everyone feels the pressure that inflation is putting on input costs, especially on farm and ranch inputs. But it's not just increasing costs that are causing headaches. Many farm inputs are in short supply and can't be had at any price. The biggest issue is going to be supply. Being able to get it from point A to point B, being able to get parts off of a ship that's sitting in the harbor of Los Angeles and getting it then on a truck and sent to the right spot, getting the supply of fertilizer where we need to, when we need it to, is going to be a real challenge for all ag retailers coming up this winter and spring. That's Wes Beal of Equity Exchange up in Perryton, Texas. He says fuel and fertilizer supplies are tied closely together and current government policies are not friendly to those industries. By seeing some of the production restrictions that have been placed by this administration and some of the, again, goes back to the rules and regs on the silly, silly way that we as a government have handled this COVID issue has just knocked our supplies down to a really an unsustainable level to be able to get things where you need to have it at the time that you need it. And it's just one of those things that we sit back here in the industry and, and look at inventory levels and we look at time frames and look at the you know, how much can be made between now and then and what are we going to need? And you just see this big headlight coming and think it's probably not a light at the end of the tunnel. It's another train. Beal says trucker shortages are also a big problem when it comes to getting supplies moved across the country. Farm workers are getting harder to find, and when you can find them, they're more expensive. 
Texas farmers hired fewer people in October and paid them more, according to a new report from the U.S. Department of Agriculture. From October 10th through the 16th, USDA's reference week, farmers in Oklahoma and Texas hired 42,000 workers. That's down 14% from October of last year. It is down 1,000 from the July 2020 reference week, which was also 14% lower than the same time last year. USDA reports the wages farmers paid per hour were up from last year. The average on-farm wage for Texas and Oklahoma was $14.37 an hour in October. That is up slightly from 2020, but it's down 1% from the $14.45 paid in July of this year. The national average on-farm hourly wage was $16.59 an hour in October. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. There doesn't appear to be a market incentive for a major acreage change on the Texas High Plains in the coming year. But James Hunt tells us the weather may be the motivator for which crops go in the ground this spring. Here in early December, we're in that time when it's kind of traditional to speculate on whether we might see any major shakeups in what farmers decide to plant in the coming season. In some recent years, we've seen market factors drive more planting of cotton and in other years more planting of corn or sorghum. And here lately, there's been some talk that maybe input costs will be the motivation for acreage shifts next season. But in my conversation with Texas A&M ag economist Mark Welch last week at the Amarillo Farm and Ranch Show, Dr. Welch told me that current market conditions indicate that corn, sorghum, and cotton all appear to work, even with input cost inflation, so there doesn't appear to be an argument there for acreage shifting. But Dr. Welch says there are other factors that could affect farmers' decision-making between now and spring planting. If it stays exceptionally dry, and say we get into March, April, and May, and we look at our irrigation capacity, the outlook for our, some of our dry land planted crops, the insurance protection that might be available across different commodities, the revenue guarantees from crop to crop, then I think, yes, we could see some crop planting decisions that might be based on those kind of productivity decisions, not so much as the input cost, but yet the likelihood of production on the other side, depending on how this drought situation looks as we get into late winter and early spring. I think that could perhaps start to drive our local planning decisions more so than what I see even the extremely high input cost. Dr. Welch also offered a reminder that the Extension Service has tools available to help farmers plan their budgets for next season, especially for protecting against downside risk. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. One Texas teacher has been recognized for his efforts to incorporate agriculture into his curriculum. Tom Nicoletti has the story. During Texas Farm Bureau's 88th Annual Convention in Corpus Christi this past weekend, Dale Raboski received the organization's Agriculture in the Classroom Outstanding Teacher of the Year Award. Dale joins me now from Angleton, that's south of Houston, and uh, congratulations, Dale, and what's your reaction and what uh, does this award mean to you? Thank you, Tom. Well, I was uh, very surprised to win this award. I know there's a lot of great teachers out there that were uh, up for it. It means the world to me to get this recognition. Being a uh, farm boy myself growing up to uh, show some agriculture to the kids these days, I think everybody needs to know where we came from. 
Yes, this award is presented to the teacher for their innovative, multidisciplined, and continued efforts to teach students about the importance of agriculture. And you teach uh, high school grades 9 through 12 in uh, the Cats and Pace Academy, which is an alternative campus. Why do you believe uh, you were chosen as the outstanding teacher? Well, I do everything I can to work agriculture into all my science lessons, whether it be chemistry or biology. We did some uh, chemical changes with uh, pickling, uh, some cucumbers we grew here on campus. So I feel that just using my core science subjects to uh, integrate agriculture into it, I believe that had a big impact on being chosen for this award. We are pretty agricultural based here in, in, in uh, Brazoria County. We do have a lot of rice farmers in the area, a lot of cattle ranchers, but a lot of my kids don't see that side of agriculture. They are from inside Angleton City Limits. So uh, I do what I can to uh, work that agriculture into the lessons. Our country was based on agriculture, was built on agriculture, and it's still important. We have to feed the world. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Deer season is well underway in East Texas as winter pastures are up and growing. James Duncan has an update from Marshall. Going through the winter of early 2021 has made us in East Texas appreciate the ever-changing climate, especially in deer season, where we've had just enough cold to make the deer move and the warmth of the growing season early on has added weight to our deer and also the rigs that were set up several years ago for antlers and racks are paying off with larger racks and our young hunters are enjoying the thrill of the hunt by getting those racks that daddy or pawpaw never got. Ten pointers are very common in East Texas this year. Growing our winter pastures. Well, we got them planted properly, we've had good moisture, we've had good fertilizer, and we've had excellent sunshine, so it's really going to pay off when time to turn in comes and we get the cattle that we have ready for them uh, to grow, especially those of us that are wintering over some steers and going to have them ready for that late spring market. One of the factors that's coming up real quick for all farmers and ranchers that register your brands is a deadline for the re-registration of your livestock brand. It is February 28, 2022. Now, that brand has to be registered by then, or it is up for grabs, and someone else can get your brand. It needs to be done. It's state law. It is registered in the county where you reside. must be done in the county where you reside, something that we all need to pay attention to if we want to maintain that family brand that we've had for so many years. Uh, Texas uh, Master Gardener programs are going on all over the state. Here in East Texas, we have several, and they will all begin in 2022 in most areas. Marshall has one, and we know there are other ones. This is James Duncan reporting from East Texas for Texas Ag Today. A group of researchers is hoping to increase the number of ocelots in the wild. I'm Jessica Domel, and I'll have that story coming up on Texas Ag Today. And laminitis is one of the most painful diseases in horses. Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today.
When we moved to Texas, we were like fish out of water. We didn't know anyone in our neighborhood until our Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent came to the house. She was so helpful and reassuring, a friendly face with that Texan hospitality I'd heard about. When we purchased a Texas Farm Bureau insurance policy, we knew we were making the right choice. We knew our family would be protected. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com to find an insurance agent who's a true neighbor. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Laminitis is one of the most painful diseases in horses. Veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd says controlling the pain is not easy. The number one initial goal of treating laminitis is to control the pain. Many drugs and techniques have been used and none of them are great at relieving laminitic pain. Laminitis is inflammation in the lamina, which is the structure in the hoof that holds the coffin bone in place as the laminae attach the bone to the hoof wall. Inflammation of the laminae, or laminitis, can be due to multiple factors, but the end result in all cases is that the laminae tear and lose their holding capacity, and in some cases the bone in the hoof drops toward the sole, which causes extreme pain. Probably the most effective pain reliever is butazolidin, usually called bute. Banamine can also be used, as can Prevacox, but bute is generally the most effective in my experience. All of these are non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs, and all can cause side effects like gastric or colonic ulcers or kidney damage. And both of these can be very severe, so you have to watch the dose and the horse carefully. One study found increased effectiveness when using bute and banamine together. However, stacking NSAIDs like this is potentially very dangerous, and I would not recommend doing this. Another treatment option that decreases pain and helps to prevent further damage is cryotherapy or cold therapy. This treatment is recommended for all cases of laminitis, but it is difficult to accomplish as the cold must be applied to the hooves and lower leg continuously for three days around the clock to be effective. This is obviously difficult to perform as it requires someone monitoring the horse 24 hours a day to add ice to the ice boots. Join me on our next program for more options for laminitis pain. I'm veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. An ocelot is a wild cat that can be found here in Texas, and a group of researchers is hoping to increase the number of ocelots in the wild. Jessica Domel tells how. A group of researchers is hoping to reintroduce endangered ocelots to areas of Texas where they once roamed. According to AgriLife Today, a group of collaborators that includes researchers from Texas A&M AgriLife will study ocelots and determine if there's anything that can be done to reestablish a population of them in South Texas to help their numbers increase. Fewer than 100 ocelots live in the wild due to historic unregulated trapping and hunting and the destruction or loss of habitats, according to Extension. Historically, ocelots range extended throughout Arizona, Texas, Arkansas, and Louisiana. Researchers will look into suitable ocelot habitat in South Texas to determine where ocelots may be successfully reintroduced. They'll also determine methods to source individuals to create a new population of ocelots and strategies for their successful release into the wild. The project also includes developing long-term management plans for the reintroduced ocelots. They'll also look into the long-term viability of the reintroduced population given ecological constraints. 
The project currently is only exploring scientific material and existing ocelot research to assess pathways forward. AgriLife reports the goal is to allow ocelot recovery efforts to move forward, including reintroduction, while also protecting the rights and the interests of private landowners. Those interested in the exploratory process are encouraged to visit RecoverTexasOcelots.org. You can sign up for project updates there. Again, that's RecoverTexasOcelots.org. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Dolmel. The cattle and cotton market started the week with a bang on Monday, but there wasn't much going on in the grain markets. We'll take a look at all of Monday's livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. It's been a tough year. As a farmer or rancher, you know life in agriculture is often stressful. Things like the economy, finances, weather, and even a pandemic increase our stress levels and can leave us feeling defeated. With a demanding workload, it seems that there isn't room for the soft stuff, like talking about feelings. Yet, talking about the hard times can be one of the best ways to manage this stress. Although we can't always control or choose our circumstances, we can control and choose how we respond to them. Sometimes that response looks like asking for help. Some would say the best quality of a farmer or rancher is their independent spirit. But what is agriculture without its community? A force of helpers, neighbors, extension, Farm Bureau members, friends, counselors, and pastors. We are stronger together. Find someone you can talk to. Find the help you need. The Southwest Ag Center is working with the Texas Department of Agriculture to identify stress assistance and resources. Visit swagcenter.org stress to learn more. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. We had a nice start to the week in the cattle market on Monday. We finished higher in both live and feeder cattle. December live cattle up 50 cents, 138.17. February up 70, 139.65. The April contract up 72 at 142.87. Feeder cattle finishing higher. January up $1.12, 165.25. March feeders up 85 cents, 167.95. While April feeders were up 87, 170.72. Cash fed cattle market quiet on Monday. We look back at last week where we sold 112,080 head in the negotiated cash cattle market. The price, very good. As high as 142 on a live basis, that's three bucks higher than the week before. Boxed beef prices were mixed on Monday. Choice up three cents, 274.33. Select up $1.68 at 260.32. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. We had a cattle sale at Producers in Cargyle, San Angelo on Thursday. Let's go to Jody Fry. Jody. I think you counted quite a few noses, didn't you? Exactly, 2,000, I think, just within a few head either way. Of course, we was off last week uh, for the Thanksgiving break. Uh, compared with our last sale of two weeks ago, calling these better quality kids and yearlings kind of firm to a couple dollars higher. Lesser quality kids, of course, including those Longhorn Cross kids, continue to sell at a steep discount. 
Slaughter cows and bulls, firm to a dollar higher. Replacement cows and pairs, selling steady, to slightly higher. Your better quality steers, four to 600 pounds from 125 up to a high of near 190, mostly 135 to 160. Six to 800 pound steers from 115 up to a high of 160, mostly 125 to 145. Better quality heifer calves, four to 600 pounds, 120 to 155, mostly 125 to 140. Slaughter cows, average to high yielding from 50 to 62. Some of the highest yielding slaughter cows cows from 63 to a high of 66. Still some thinner or lower yielding type cows anywhere from 25 to 45. Slaughter bulls average to high yielding from 71 to 85. Did have some of the highest yielding slaughter bulls today from 87 to a high of 95. Red cows and heavy bred two-year-olds had some average to better quality anywhere from 750 to 1,075. A few choice sets of uh, young to middle-aged cows heavy bred from 1,100 to a high of 1,225. What do you know for next go-round? I look for a few more sheep and goats on Tuesday. That market, if they're out there, uh, they need to come. Special calf sale next Thursday in conjunction with the regular Thursday sale, but at least 16 or 1800 weather permitting. Tell everybody how to get a hold of you, Jody Fry. Any of us there at the office at 325-653-3371. My mobile phone's 234-7895. Neighbor, that's our livestock auction market report for today. We'll see you next time right here as we walk the pens. I'm Larry Marble for Texas Ag Today. Thanks, Larry. Back over to the futures market now, where lean hogs close sharply lower on Monday. December hogs down a dollar ninety-five, seventy-two oh five. February down three twenty-seven at seventy-eight twenty-two. Class three milk was higher. December up ten cents at eighteen seventy, a hundred weight. January milk up forty-four, closing at nineteen twenty-one, a hundred. Big jump in the cotton market, getting support from the outside financial markets. A nice jump in the Dow Jones on Monday, as well as a big climb in oil prices, helping out the cotton market. We close with the March contract up 281 points, 107.01. May cotton up 276 at 105.67. New crop December up 232 to close at 90.07. The corn market finished mixed. The nearby contracts lower on news that China will have its own record large corn crop this year of 272.6 million metric tons. That caused the December contract to lose two and a half cents, 583 and a half. March corn down a half, 583 and a half. While September, the new crop contract was up a half, closing at 562 and three quarters. The wheat market finished mixed. The new crop contracts mostly higher. July Kansas City wheat up two and a half at 815 a bushel. July Chicago wheat up four and a half. 798 and three quarters. In the energy markets, natural gas dropped lower. January down 45 cents, 367. January crude oil up 361 at 69.87 a barrel. The financial markets strongly higher on Monday. The Dow up 646 points, 35,227. The Nasdaq up 139 at 15,225. The S&P up 53 at 4,591. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. My name is Kerry Martin. Hope to see you next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state on the planet, Texas agriculture. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org. 
or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.